0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you no spin homilies. Sometimes God gives us events, people or even words to reassure us of God's love for us. I often tell our kids in our school and our faith formation program, God's words of love can be found in the sacrament of confession, reconciliation. I tell them, every time I go to confession, I hear God's words of love for me. Now, we all go to confession, and we all confess our sins to God. I go into confession, and I confess all the things that I've done to offend God and other people in this world. And yet, I know God is there present in the form of the priest to forgive my sins. Not only that, but to tell me just how much he loves me and how much he wants for me to be reconciled back to him. I hear those words of love when the priest utters, essentially the words of absolution, and forgives my sins. And then I feel euphoric. I leave the confessional because not only have I heard those words of love that God has for me, but now God has forgiven me of my sins. Now I leave that confessional, and I'm on cloud nine. And I think that's what is so important in the gospel. Here we have the apostles, especially Peter. They need to hear those words of love spoken to by Jesus Christ. They need to be forgiven for what they've done, abandoning Jesus, especially Peter denying him three times. Now it's interesting how this gospel opens up. The apostles, it sounds or it appears that they're reverting to their old ways. They're going back to their old ways of life. They're fishing. Now, we have to realize before Jesus recruited the apostles into fellowship with him, they did just this. They were fishermen. They were craftsmen. They were what we would refer to as small business owners. But three years ago, Jesus called them into apostleship, friendship. And for three years, they walked, talked, ate, and were taught by Jesus. This was life-changing moments for them. More to it, in Jerusalem, they saw the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had seen the risen Christ. And yet, now, all of a sudden, it seems like they're going back to their old ways. It seems like the mission, the church, has failed. Well, maybe we've experienced that ourselves. Maybe we've gone on a retreat that was just incredibly euphoric. Or maybe we've gone to hear a speaker and he was very dynamic and he got us all fired up. And we said to ourselves, you know, my life is going to change. Now I'm going to do things a different way. And we're on cloud nine and we're filled with this euphoria. And then all of a sudden that rush calms down. And then we go back to our old way of life again. We don't change. Well, it appears from the very beginning of the gospel story for this weekend, that's what's happening to the apostles. Now notice, the apostles are not in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the spiritual hotbed. In Jerusalem, people are seeing the risen Christ. So if there's any place you want to be, it's in Jerusalem. But where are the apostles? They're back home in Galilee. They're back home doing their old way of life, their old jobs, fishing. Now, notice they're fishing at night. At night, there's not much that we can do. We can't really see too much. When does Jesus appear to the apostles? At dawn. He doesn't appear to them at night, but at dawn. Ironically enough, it was at dawn in which Jesus rose from the dead. Now, dawn, it's the beginning of new light. Symbolically, it's seen as Jesus is that light. And when Jesus enters into our life... He radiates our life so that now we can clearly see his presence in the world and in our life. More to it, we can clearly see the world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. Now, take it to another level. Jesus appears at dawn, which means what? Well, at dawn, life comes, you know, the world comes alive. One of the things that I love to do is bow hunt, especially early in the morning. So what I have to do is I have to get into my tree stand about a half hour to an hour before sunrise. And so I'm sitting in my stand about 20 to 30 feet above the ground, and I'm looking out of the woods, and it's pitch black. More importantly, there's not a sound. It's dead silence. And yet there comes that time in which sunrise is about to begin. And first you see those rays, you know, stretching out into the sky. And then finally you see the sun rise up and gradually rise, you know, into the sky. And in doing so, not only does it illuminate the sky and the world, but all of a sudden the woods come alive. You know, the birds start chirping and flying around. The squirrels start running up the trees. You know, the chipmunks start running around the grounds of the woods. The woods come alive. Why? Because the sun has risen. Well, that's so symbolic of Jesus. When the divine light of Jesus rises in our life, we come alive. We are enriched. Now notice, Jesus tells the apostles, you know, have they caught anything? And they say nothing. Well, that's very good. Why? Because the apostles are following their own will. That's why they went out in midnight. And that's why they didn't catch anything. But Jesus tells them, throw the nut over the right side of the boat. And what happens? They catch a whole multitude of fish. Which means, when Jesus is present in our life, then he takes the ordinary, the most ordinary things of our daily life, and he makes them extraordinary. He gives us purpose and meaning in life. What's next in the story? Well, John. Of all the apostles, it's John who recognizes that it's Jesus on the shore. Now, why is that? Because John was the only apostle that followed Jesus all the way to the cross. The other apostles scattered and ran. They abandoned Jesus, but not John. He followed him all the way to the cross. That's why Jesus on the cross gave Mary to John and John to Mary. Well, now John sees the presence of Christ on the seashore, which means what? When Christ is always present in our life, we will always see him. We'll always see his presence in events, in people, and even in words, just like John did. Now, there's that odd detail with Peter. It says he was lightly clad, but tucked in his garments and then jumped into the ocean and swam ashore. Now, to be lightly clad means Peter probably wasn't wearing a shirt. Maybe he had just trousers on. And yet he puts clothes on And then jumps into the water and swims to shore. Well, that is very odd. I don't know about you, but I do just the opposite. When I go swimming in a pool, I take my clothes off and put swim trunks on. Yet Peter does just the opposite. Now, why is that? Well, I think it can be found in two people in the Old Testament. They did the exact same thing when they found themselves in the presence of God Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. After they ate the fruit and sinned against God, what did they do? They immediately hid themselves and they began to make clothing out of fig leaves because they were so ashamed. They wanted to clothe themselves because they wanted to cover up their shame. That's why when God goes into the garden, he says, you know, where are you and why are you hiding from me? Well, they're ashamed. And yet prior to original sin, prior from that event from happening, Adam and Eve You know, they were friends with God, which was what God always wanted. It says they walked in easy fellowship in the cool evening of the garden with God. And they walked innocent. You know, whether they had clothes on or they were naked, they weren't ashamed. And yet now they are ashamed and they want to cover that up. Well, Peter is doing the exact same thing. He puts clothes on and then jumps into the water because he knows he's in the presence of God. And he's ashamed. And how we treated God and how we abandoned Jesus. Now, they all make it to the shore, and Jesus has a meal already prepared for them. Good, that's very good. See, the same thing happens to us every time we gather for Mass. Every time we gather for Mass, we surround God, just like the apostles did on that seashore. And Jesus, he prepares a meal for us. In our case, it's the Eucharist, his body and his blood. Now, after the meal... Now you see that beautiful exchange between Peter and Jesus, in which Jesus reconciles himself to Peter. Now, notice the question that Jesus asks Peter. Do you love me? He doesn't ask him, do you subscribe to my teachings? Or do you agree with my way of life? Instead, he says, do you love me? What is he really getting at? He's asking Peter, what is the quality of your love for me? Now, why is that? Well, we have to realize Christianity is not just some philosophy. Christianity is not some group of ideals or principles that we live by. No. At the very roots of Christianity, it's about relationship with God and our loving relationship with God. See, that's why he asks Peter, do you love me? Now, Peter says yes each time. But notice what Jesus says, tend to my sheep, feed my sheep. Why? Because Peter, along with the Apostles, represent the Church. Peter is the first Pope of our Church. Therefore, the responsibility of our Church is to tend to us, feed us. The Church feeds us in the Eucharist, in Sacred Scripture, in our doctrine and dogma, in our spiritual life. We are fed in all those different ways. But also, the Church tends to us. It tends to our sacramental needs our ministerial needs. And see, that's why it's so important for us to remain in the church because it tends to all those needs for us. Now, at the very end, and this is important, Jesus says to Peter, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and go wherever you wanted. Which means what? Peter followed his own will. He did whatever he wanted to do. And yet, Jesus says, When you get older, someone else will dress you. Well, what he's referring to is baptism. Part of the ritual of baptism is after we've baptized the child or even an adult, we make them wear a white garment, which is a symbol of being clothed with Christ, as Paul attests to in Corinthians. And so from the very moment of our baptism, we are clothed with Christ, which means what? Our life is joined to Christ, which means now our will is aligned to the will of God. Now we go to a place where maybe we don't want to go, but God wants us to go. And that's what Jesus is referring to. And see, that's exactly what we have done in our parishes when we embraced stewardship. We recognized four years ago here at our parishes that we are clothed with Christ. Therefore, we align our will with the will of God. And in doing so, we share our prayers and our talents and our treasure for the express purpose That both parishes will become stronger, more spiritually active, and vibrant, both now and the future. And they have. And that's why we must continue to do just that. Engage in stewardship. And that's what Jesus is referring to at the very end. Strongly encourage you, please take some time this week. Reread this gospel passage. And in doing so, we hear the words of love spoken to us. The words that we need to hear, you know, from time to time. And then we must act upon those words through stewardship. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.